I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're we're Identical identical twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And And we're we're Identical identical Twins. And this is episode 81. Okay, so 81 is a pretty big deal, but as Kelly would say, it's not a milestone. (laughs) No, it's not a milestone. But I mean, it could have had some applause, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 81, we're so excited to be back in the recording studio Mm -hmm. recording this one for you. This came as a request from somebody, and you know, the timing couldn't be more perfect. Right. So if you follow the Christian liturgical calendar, you may know that Trinity Sunday has just happened. It comes right after Pentecost Sunday. And we have a Trinity Trinity Sunday Sunday hymn. hymn. Now, in our church, we do follow the calendar somewhat. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about Lent. Of course, we have, you know, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, Holy Week, um, Advent, Mm -hmm. uh, Good Friday. So there's parts of the liturgical calendar that we definitely do follow. But Trinity Sunday is one of those Sundays that really hasn't crossed over to other churches. Um, You might actually say any Sunday is Trinity Sunday. And we have some great hymns that we call Trinitarian hymns. Mm -hmm. that really specifically mention all three. Right. And that is unique. I really like hymns that do distinguish each part of the Trinity. You'll have one verse uh, for the God God the Father, one verse for God the Son, one verse for God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. When we want to talk about the Trinity, I mean, we should be singing something that is profound, something that celebrates the mystery of faith right right so the holy trinity the father son and the holy spirit another hymn that does that really well Mm -hmm. and is one of my favorite episodes is holy 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 yeah that's episode 32 cal that was a really special episode Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of theology in that too Mm -hmm. and you know i think that the concept of the trinity is kind of confusing and there's a lot of questions about it and people say oh i think the concept of the trinity is just like a triangle and then other people say oh i think the triangle is the worst way to describe the trinity it should be this way and so sometimes these confusing concepts in theology um they're not really sung about You know, they don't, who's writing hymns about something that's confusing. Mm -hmm. So then when we have these hymns, I think they, they're even more special. They should be celebrated because they're just not that common. Well, the thing is, is that the Trinity really should be celebrated or acknowledged every week. Right. I mean, there's definitely a place for it every Sunday. Um, But it goes back to the fourth century, Cal. Mm. So there was this Arian heresy Right. That was sort of being spread. Right. And it was really disputing the traditional Christian belief of one God in three divine persons. Right. And so the bishops of the church really decided to compose a mass in honor of the Trinity mm-hmm. to reaffirm the belief. Oh. So it was in, in response to what was happening around them. And I don't know. I think it's so interesting. Like if the church today saw something in the world, saw something in society and wanted to like put up, you know, sort of a front against it to right. say, you know, this is what we believe in response to what you're saying. This is what we want to say and what we do. I don't think we do that. I don't think anyone ever does that. No. I mean, no. it's kind of cool. This was in response to a heresy right. that was being spread. And it has stood the test of time. It is still happening in churches mm-hmm. still today from the fourth century. Right. And having it fall after Pentecost, mm. you know, that allows the church to further reflect on the mystery of God mm-hmm. after receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So here's a little timeline. Finally, okay. in the ninth century, Pope Gregory the Ninth, who was a Roman bishop and head of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. celebrates the first Trinity Sunday. But it didn't quite catch on. Mm-hmm. Then in the 14th century, Pope John the Twenty Second 
who was head of the Catholic Church, officially establishes Trinity Sunday for all Western churches to celebrate. So we're talking about going back to the 14th century. Right. Trinity Sunday has a long history. Mm. I would love to dig into when the Catholic Church started doing the sign of the cross, because the sign of the cross that they do is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. So every time they're gathering, every time mm. they're praying, they are also acknowledging the Trinity. Yeah. And that's a nice reminder right there. Right. And I have to guess that it was probably around the same time. Right. So the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. No, of course. No. Uh, no. But I mean, let's do a couple of verses just to kind okay. of focus on the, the Trinity right. today. Right. Maybe you read these yesterday. What does the Bible say? All right. So, I mean, this is a famous verse. I'm sure everybody thinks of this one. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this, of course, right after Jesus is baptized. So yeah. Jesus, God the Son, is baptized. And the scripture verse is, The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Mm -hmm. So there we see Son, Father, and Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God appointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. So there's the three right, right. there again. All right, one more. Ephesians 4, 4 <laughs> through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Mm. All right. Should we just tell the people what the hymn is? It's time. Time to hear the hymn. And it's, I am dying to know, one, if people know it. Okay. And two, if they know it. Did they sing it this past Sunday? I know, I know, I know. Did, is this song still being sung? All right. Well, let's tell everybody the title. All right. It's called, I, I Bind Unto, unto myself, myself Today. I Bind Unto Myself Today. Okay. So, Kelly... I did not know this hymn at all. I didn't. And this is another one where I'm having a hymn title challenge. <sighs> she can't ever say the words. It's like, I'm binding, to, I'm today. binding today to myself and to God. <laughs> well, it's funny because I want to say, I don't want to say myself. Right. I want to say thy, thyself or thine. I want it to be about binding to God. Mm -hmm. But the title is, I, I bind, bind unto, unto myself, myself today. today. So this came in as a hymn request from William mm -hmm. in Brooklyn, New York. So it has been wonderful connecting with William. And, you know, we say it all the time. We love that our podcast connects us with people all over the world. William is a priest in the Episcopalian Church. He is at St. Paul's Carroll Street in Brooklyn, New York. And, I mean, Brooklyn, New York isn't that far from us. No. Kyle. And I really feel like I want to get to St. Paul's. He says his building is beautiful. He has um, beautiful stained glass windows and not during the summer, but during the fall, winter, and spring, they have Evensong. So we just talked about Evensong. I know. It was episode 79 yeah. on the other episode that I have trouble with the I know. title. Can we do it? Can we try it? <laughs> the, the day, day thou gavest, Lord, Lord is ended. Is ended. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are tricky titles. So two tricky two titles, and both of them are connected with Evensong. I wonder I if we're going to find more similarities. Well, I feel like maybe it's, you know, Episcopalian, Anglican mm -hmm. churches, mm -hmm. churches from, you know, churches in England, hymn writers in the United Kingdom. Right. My American Baptist brain can't, can't handle the it. title. I know, I know. <laughs> so, like I said, he's a priest in the Episcopal Church, and he says that this hymn would have been the opening hymn in the procession on Trinity Sunday. Oh. And he said also it would be used at the ordination of many clergy in the Anglican or Episcopal tradition. And he said that it was sung and played at his ordination. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's a very special song to him. Right. And we are thrilled that mm -hmm. he has brought it to our attention mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I did not know this hymn existed. I, I barely knew there was a Trinity Sunday. So. I know. I know. And here we are at 81 mm -hmm. episodes and we're finding hymns that we do not know, mm -hmm. hymns that other people know. Mm -hmm. Listen, we love getting your requests. Yes. Yeah. Please send them in to us because who knows what we're doing for 82. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so since this is brand new to yeah. us, we connected with a musician in uh, right, right outside of Chicago, Illinois, and we asked her if she would sing it for us. She's a beautiful soprano. She sings in churches. She loves the hymns. She's currently the cantor at the Notre Dame Parish at Clarendon Hills, Illinois. Oh. And she does sub like all over at other churches too. And she volunteers at Willow Creek Community Church. And so she says she does get the praise music in there every once in a while. Okay. But but she really does love the hymns. So she's just going to sing the first verse. Okay. This beautiful soprano, pipe organ in the background, I bind unto myself today. Wasn't that great? That was beautiful. So sweet. Yeah. She has such a pretty voice. We're going to share all her information. You can find her on social media. Mm -hmm. You can find her on on YouTube. And she was telling me that she's part of a group called Canto Zenzero. Mm. And it is a trio of redheads. Who are operatic singers. Very cool. Isn't that cute? Yeah. yeah. So she she started the group and she is performing with them as often as she can. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Kathleen. All right. So, Cal, these words, mm. I bind unto myself today. So this is a translation. Right. The original hymn, the original poem would have been in Gaelic. But we're actually kind of confused about the language because I asked a friend of mine who speaks Gaelic to help me with the translation and the pronunciation. And he said that it did not look like Gaelic. (laughs) But Kelly, everywhere I looked says this is an Irish hymn. These are St. Patrick's words. So we ended up digging a little more and now we think that it's a variation maybe Mm -hmm. and it's Scottish Gaelic. Okay. And the fact that it's very, very old. I know, it's true. Very old. So if this comes from St. Patrick, we're talking about the 400s. Right. And so maybe the language has evolved so much know, but he that said, it doesn't even look like Gaelic to he, them. He said, like, those vowels don't go together. Like, yeah. it doesn't look like Gaelic. Wow. I don't know. So anyway, we're thinking maybe it's a Scottish Gaelic, and okay. I'm going to try to pronounce it in Scottish Gaelic. <laughs> So I bind unto myself today mm-hmm. would be translated to be a tomruig and you knew it then to go them to the now. That was good, Carrie. That was good, Carrie. You got some help with that though, right? Yes. You're not just making it up. I'm not making it up. So my friend Ian called me on the telephone. And you got went, a little time with him. Yep, I got a little time <laughs> with my Gaelic expert. So these words are from St. Patrick. So Kelly... I mean, I will be so sad if you don't get this right. Okay. <laughs> but what other hymn have we had on the podcast? Oh my gosh. That is is about St. Patrick. Of course, it's Be Thou My Vision. Yes. I mean, I knew you would know. Yes. This. Yeah. We loved Be Thou My Vision. That was such a great episode. Episode number 48. 48. Yeah. Be Thou My Vision is a fantastic hymn. And I feel like everybody knows Be Thou My Vision. Right. It has crossed denomination lines. Yes. But I don't think this one, I bind unto myself today. Did I say it right? Yes, I bind unto myself <laughs> yeah. today. Or for the people who are Scottish Gaelic, a tomruig and you knew it trend to gorm to the now. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't think this has crossed over denomination lines. No. I, I mean... I, we don't know it. I don't know it. But we, we don't know every hymn. No, no. So please let us know if yeah. you know this one. So these are St. Patrick's words. Mm-hmm. This is a direct translation from a prayer that St. Patrick said. And it's been around for centuries. And it's been translated many, many times. But what we have in the hymn is not just a translation. So the hymn writer versified it so not only did she translate it but she gave it rhythm and she gave it meter Mm -hmm. and so she's the one who turned it into a hymn so let's talk about saint patrick's words he used this prayer as a prayer of protection so why would patrick be praying for protection it's a lot of peas in that sentence (laughs) 
Patrick's prayer of protection. It gets we gets worse because he was a Roman citizen, so he actually his name would have been Patricius, Patricius, Ooh. and he because he was of the patrician or aristocratic class. Oh, yeah. So why is he praying for protection? Okay, well, there's a lot here, and this specific prayer is definitely later in his life. But mm-hmm. let me just give a little bit of background. Okay, he's living in the United Kingdom, if not Scotland, like maybe right on the border. His family has prestige. I mean, he is born into privilege. He receives an education in Latin. He learns to read and write, which was kind of rare at the time. Mm. And that's why we have such vivid first-person accounts of his life. He was writing things down. He learned Irish while he was enslaved in Ireland. He was kidnapped and sold into slavery. And that's just what they did. The pirates would kidnap people. We read that he was taken from his house in the middle of the night. They broke in and took him. He was a young, strong, strapping man. And so he was sold at a high price. He didn't speak Gaelic at all. Um, And he was frightened to be in Ireland. His childhood, they had heard horror stories of the Irish. They were told that the Irish were devils. Patrick grew up hearing stories about how violent and vicious the Irish were. Wow. And Ireland was a lot tougher than where he was from. And he had the lowest position on the farm. He was to take care of the sheep. And we learn in this agricultural society that cows and pigs were considered more important. Right. And the lowest people would have been in charge of the sheep. Now, he grew up going to church, but he had sort of turned away from his faith. And he, you know, he was just kind of a teenager who wanted to be really independent. Mm. But during his time in Ireland, he deepens his faith and he turns to God. He prays, even though his food rations are small, Mm. he chooses to fast. He chooses to fast and pray constantly. And one night he's asleep in his hut and he has a voice in his dream. And the voice says that he will be returning home soon. And he, you know, wakes up just wondering if that was a dream, if it could be real. The second night, the voice comes back, Kelly, and it says, you will be returning home soon and the ship is ready for you. So he is absolutely certain the message comes from God. So he runs away in the dead of night and he just carries enough food or drink to last a day or two. We're not entirely sure, but from his writings and from what he describes, Mm -hmm. we think he traveled on foot about 200 miles. Wow. Like the entire length of Ireland. And then the story continues, Cal. He gets to the water, he gets to the boat, he walks to the captain, and he says he would like to join their crew. And the captain says he already has a crew. And Patrick walks away thinking, was this message from the Lord? How did he, how was he safe the whole journey? How can this be? I mean, he hiked 200 miles and it was like mountains, fields, rivers. I mean, it was a hard journey. He found food wherever he went. Is he being brought to the water to just give up? And he walks away crestfallen. And then a guy taps him on the shoulder and says, come here. The captain changed his mind. He goes back to the boat and the guy says, all right, you know, you, we, we could use one more person. So they sail for three days, Cal, and their food storage is low. The crew is griping. Patrick had been talking to people about God. So the captain approached him and said, if your God is so great, what will he do for us? And Patrick turns to prayer. And at this point, they're, they've landed. They're off the boat and they're just hiking. And two days later, they stumble upon a herd of pigs and find raw honey. He eventually returns to his family with feasting and open arms. His family never expected to see him again. They were just overjoyed at his return. Wow. Yeah. So after being home, he receives another vision. In his vision, he receives a letter and there's a choir singing. And the choir is calling him (laughs) Holy Boy. What? Holy boy. And the voices are telling him to go back to Ireland. Mm. And he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. But anyway, he spends years training to be a priest. He gets ordained. We don't really know how many years went by, but he eventually returns to Ireland. Mm -hmm. Patrick basically says, I'm going to try to convert all the pagans in Ireland to be Christian. And, you know, the Celtic religion, the the pagan gods, it was polytheistic. 
right? So right. he really wants to focus on the single God and his love and grace. This was so different from how the Celtic people thought. Right. So he ends up getting into a bit of trouble. So the Church of England, the Church of Ireland decides um, that he has accepted bribes. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not accepting bribes. He's giving bribes. He's offering bribes. And he gets in trouble for that. Now, in his, in his, what he was saying he was doing was that when he went to a tribe in Ireland, he would offer the head of the tribe, the king of the tribe, mm-hmm. a gift to thank him for allowing him to be in his territory. Right. And to him, it was just gifts that were exchanged so that he could do God's work. Mm-hmm. And the church thought these were bribes, and Patrick just felt utterly let down by his church. Wow. And the church demanded that he stop and come back to England, and Patrick refused to leave Ireland. And the church basically said, you know, we're not going to go after him and, and try to find him and bring him home. Like, it's, it wasn't worth it. He stayed in Ireland to do God's work. Now, there was a church that we, most people believe Patrick started, and it's the Church of Armagh. And in the 6th and 7th centuries, way after Patrick has died, there's a bit of a power struggle in the Church of Ireland. Like, where will the head of the church be? Where will, like, the ecclesiastical center of Ireland be? And a lot of churches were kind of fighting for this distinction. Well, the Church of Armagh decides to make St. Patrick their poster child. Mm -hmm. It's like we Mm -hmm. are the center of the church because St. Patrick was here. And many stories came out of this time that Patrick drove the snakes out of Ireland. Right. That he used the shamrock to teach the Trinity. There was the fire on the hill. And there's this story, the deer's cry. Okay. We don't know if it's true. Well, it's like, do we know if any of them right. are true? But the but I don't know the story. Okay. Do you think that people who follow saints will know this story? I think so. And this hymn, I bind unto myself today, is often called the deer's cry oh. because of this story. So Patrick, around the year 433 AD, he is aware that there's an ambush trying go, coming after him. They are going to try to kill him. He is on his route to the king's court and he knows that these people are going to kill him. So they sang this prayer. These mm. words called the deer's cry, I bind unto myself today. Now, the pagans were lying in hiding, ready to kill But it is said that they never saw Patrick. They never saw Patrick in his men. Instead, they saw a gentle deer who was being followed by 20 fawns. This miracle saved Patrick and his men. They didn't see him. Right. So that's why this prayer of protection that Mm. Patrick was praying is often called the deer's cry. It is a beautiful prayer, Kelly, celebrating a God who lives with his children, Mm. guiding them, sheltering them, strengthening them. A God who was with us. God protected Patrick that night. Right. A deer's cry. He says this prayer of protection, it turns into a poem that is translated for generations, for centuries, and then eventually it becomes this hymn. A hymn, yeah. Yeah. Now, it also, this prayer becomes known as Lorica. Yes, yes. Have you heard that word before? What's that? <laughs> Lorica. What's that? Well, What's that? It, it almost becomes like a subgenre of hymns, doesn't it? Right. It's These are hymns of protection. Mm-hmm. So Lorica comes from the Latin word meaning armor. So it's literally Putting the armor on. Right. Protecting us from the world. Right. In fact, instead of calling it Lorica, they might call it breastplate songs. Right. Breastplate songs. And it's the idea that these songs are weapons in times of spiritual warfare. And of course, we hear about the biblical imagery of the armor of God in Ephesians 6. And, you know, it's the belt of truth. Mm -hmm. Breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of the spirit. Helmet of salvation. So there's your armor of God. This breastplate, which of course is protecting your vital organs, Mm -hmm. your heart, you know, is Lorica. And that's these songs. I'm just going to read a scripture verse just to remind us of God's protection. What does the Bible say? 
And this is from the passage in Ephesians where they mention, we mention all the, you know, the pieces of armor. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Mm. I mean, we need God's armor we every do. day. We do. Yeah. All right. So that is Patrick's story. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where we get the words. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's a little weird, but that is the inspiration. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They were St. Patrick's words. It was a often quoted prayer it it went through the centuries. It went through the generations. Mm-hmm. It was said in prayer. It was said in churches. And it could have just stayed there. It's a beautiful set of words. It's a beautiful prayer. Um, but at some point, someone, which I'm so excited to talk about her. Right. Someone said, this could be a hymn. So, well, Kelly, we have this Irish poet. Mm-hmm. She's a woman. Mm-hmm. I think this is a kind of a fun fact. <laughs> This Irish woman was the one who versified this hymn, but Be Thou My Vision was also versified by a woman, a female Irish poet. Her name was Eleanor Hull. I don't know. It's funny. We didn't even know the word versification until we did Be Thou My Vision. And now we have these two women who did it. And both from Ireland Mm -hmm. and both with words by St. Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Those are kind of neat coincidences. Coincidences. I can't talk. I just did the fun fact. I feel like we need a sound effect for like... When you mess up your words. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like we need a sound effect because it's not like, it's not scandal. Okay. But it's something. It's kind of cool. A cool coincidence sound. Yeah. Can okay. you get that for me? I, I'll work on that. <laughs> All right. So this hymn writer, she didn't just decide to do this for fun. Right. She was, it was actually, it actually came in like as a request. <laughs> so... Henry Hercules Dickinson was the dean of the Chapel Royal at Dublin Castle. And Dickinson writes in the preface of the 1897 hymn book about his correspondence with the hymn writer. Attention, please. I wrote to her suggesting that she should fill a gap in our Irish church hymnal by giving us a metrical version of St. Patrick's Lorica. So it's just called Lorica. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent her a carefully collated copy of the best prose translations of it. Within a week, she sent me that exquisitely beautiful as well as faithful version, which appears in the appendix to our church hymnal, which is now sung in many churches on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's why she did it. So let's talk about this hymn writer, Cal. Okay. Cecil Francis Alexander was born in Dublin, Ireland in April of 1818 or 1823. Yeah, the dates really aren't certain. We're not sure when she was born. Mm -hmm. We do know that she died on October 12th, 1895 in Londonderry, Northern Ireland. She is one of Ireland's foremost writers of hymns and poems, Cal. So she wrote about 400 hymns, and she wrote some pretty big ones. Do you know All Things Bright and Beautiful? Yes. How about Jesus Calls Us or the Tumult? Yes, we sang that recently. And a Christmas one, Once in David's Royal Royal City. City. So she she has some pretty big hymns. To her name. But I think this is a fun fact. We actually talked about her very briefly. Right. When we did the episode on Lead Kindly Light. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. mentioned this, Cal. I did because she wrote There is a Green Hill Far Away and they sang it on the Titanic on April 14th. And we know that because we have the diary of one of the survivors. Right. I mean, it's amazing. And so this hymn, they sang on the boat. I know. So she she must have must have been a pretty famous hymn back then. Yeah. And I feel like her music was so well known. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. are just singing it. Mm-hmm. So she was born to Major John Humphreys and Elizabeth Reed. And her whole life, Kelly, she was called Fanny. Right. And we actually had a hard time like figuring out how to say her name. Right. Cecil. 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 So I think it was a little confusing what her name was and how to pronounce it. And she went by Fanny. Right. Yeah. So her father was in the Royal Marines and he had to retire after a serious injury and he lost most of his right arm. 
this was before Fanny was even born. Right. So she always had knew her father to be someone um, with an injury, uh, someone with a handicap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who once served in the military, but now was home. Yeah. And sh- he was called Major his whole life. Right. You know, everyone called him Major. I can picture that. Yeah. Major. Your dad, the Major. Right. Yeah. Um, she had so many philanthropic yeah. activities that she did. Yeah. She was so generous. Mm. And it, I don't know, it made me think of her experience with her dad. Yeah, maybe. You're growing up with someone who, you know, maybe needed a little extra help. Mm-hmm. And that made her want to help others. Mm. And I read that she did a lot of these things with a sister of yeah, hers. Yeah. So she was close with her sister, just like yeah. us. Yeah. So she moves to this area in Ireland of Londonderry, which, you know, you just said is where she died. Mm-hmm. She moves there when she's a teenager, yep. mostly because her father got a job there. Right, and his fa- her father worked for the church. Um, he was a part of the Church of Ireland, which was the Church of England, and there was a little bit of a of trouble going on. Mm-hmm. People were mad. Mm-hmm. So there were taxes that you had to pay. And it didn't matter what church you went to, you had to pay your tax to the Church of Ireland, the Church of England. Mm -hmm. And they felt like this was unfair. Catholics and Protestants didn't want to pay the tax. So in 1833, British Parliament passed the British Temporalities Act of 1833. And what this did was it drastically reduced the number of archbishops and bishops in Ireland. Therefore, they didn't need quite as much money to support the church and churches in Ireland. And they were kind of asking churches to either go without or close or, or whatever, because they didn't have the tax money and they right. were, they were limiting the numbers. And while that might sound like a good idea for the people of Ireland who were going to have to pay less taxes, right? which is great. They were happy. Unfortunately, it impacted the church, right. the churches, and it impacted our hymn writer, Fanny, because her dad was a bishop. Right. And they were mad. They were mad. They were mad that British Parliament was getting involved with the church. Right. They felt like they shouldn't be doing anything with the church. The church should just be doing what it's supposed to right. do. And and this is when we see a little division in the church. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about John Henry Newman. Yes. When we did Lead Kindly Light. He was instrumental in starting the Oxford movement. Mm-hmm. The Oxford movement was just preserving everything traditional, every oh, like the high church, mm-hmm. you know, traditions of the Church of England. Right. They were not happy with what the Church of England was doing currently. They right. wanted to go back to the way it was before. So it is said that she was raised as a strong evangelical Anglican. Mm-hmm. That's how they describe her. She did experience some sadness. So she had her best friend, Harriet, that she met when she was just a kid. They Mm -hmm. remained close. Mm -hmm. And she ended up dying of tuberculosis. And a year and a half later, she had a fiancé named Archie Butler, and he died suddenly. Mm. So at 30 years old, she has a broken engagement. She has lost her best friend and she's feeling pretty sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was even worse because it was pretty much believed by her and her family that she reached an age that was impossible to be married. Right, right. So in 1850, she met William Humphreys. Now, William Humphreys was six years younger than her. Right. So, I mean, she was, she was, this is a long time ago. Right. She was older. She was considered, you know, unmarriable. Yeah. And now we're starting to see that there was this discrepancy in her birth year. And could she have lied about her age? Well, I mean, I think the issue is that the marriage certificate has a different year right. of birth right. than the birth certificate. Right. So if she says on her marriage certificate that she's born in 1823 instead of 1818, she's five years younger, and now the age difference isn't quite so big. Mm. So That's crazy. Maybe. That's crazy. We hear about that, you know? I mean, we don't know. She must have looked good for her age. <laughs> right. Well, and she had a wonderful marriage with this man. It's yes. just too bad. And I mean, do you think people would have frowned upon the marriage because of the age gap? Well, someone had to know the truth, really. I mean, no one knew how old she really was. I mean, I would like to think that she did not lie. I would like to think her mother did it or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right? Like her mom maybe. was like, we're just going to... We're ch- going to put this down. Yeah, you yeah. just sign here. You He'll don't- never know. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so actually her new husband um, followed in her father's footsteps. He also became a bishop for the Anglican church mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she was the bishop's wife. And in that role, she was able to continue to help people. We read that she traveled many miles each day to visit the sick, to visit the poor, to bring supplies, to bring food. We That's when she was doing all of this mm-hmm. philanthropic work. So eventually she suffered a stroke and died in 1895. Um, But after her death, her husband was elected Archbishop of Armagh and primate of all of Ireland. This was a huge step. He was really head of the whole church in Ireland. Right, and Fanny never got to see that. No, no. Now, it's interesting that he's the Archbishop of Armagh because didn't we just talk about St. Patrick's Church of Armagh? Yes. Yes, that's Armagh is now the ecclesiastical capital of Ireland because of that church, because of what they they tried to say in the 6th and 7th centuries, and now here we are. And our hymn writer's husband is the bishop. Mm-hmm. bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So William and Fanny had two children, Eleanor and Robert. I thought this was a little interesting. Their son, Robert, died at the age of 66. Mm. And this is in 1918. Fanny isn't around or anything. Um, but he was actually killed on board the Royal Mail Ship RMS Leinster. Now, this was a mail ship, but it also ca- it carried mail, but it also carried passengers. And during World War One, it was torpedoed by a German submarine mm. and over 500 lives were lost. The whole boat is still at the bottom of the ocean. Wow. Yeah. So they did find his body. Wow. They returned it to Londonderry, and he is buried about 50 yards away from his parents, Derry City Cemetery in Londonderry. Ah. Can we head over to Ireland to visit this resting place of theirs? This is your captain. <laughs> Kelly, I would love to go to Ireland. I mean, our parents just, just went. went. We could have told them to go to Armagh. <laughs> I know. So you go to St. Patrick's Church in Armagh. Mm-hmm. You go to Londonderry. Yes. You can see the church that they were at when they were there. Mm-hmm. You can visit the graves of Fanny, her husband, William. And the son. And the son. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think this is amazing. Do you remember when I said that Henry Hercules Dickinson was the one who asked yes. Fanny to write it? Yes. Okay, so he was the dean of the Chapel Royale at Dublin Castle. So we could go to Dublin Castle. <laughs> there has been a chapel there since at least 1242. The present chapel was opened in 1814. There's galleries, there's stained glass windows. This is a beautiful church. It is now deconsecrated. What's that? What? What's yeah. that? Did you know that? That sounds awful. <laughs> a deconsecrated church in general is a surviving church building, but it is no longer usable for worship. You can visit Dublin Castle and uh. take a guided tour. Now they have self-guided tours too for six pounds, guided <laughs> tours for eight pounds. I'd do the guided tour. Yeah, but I I mean, we have to ask mom and dad. Did they go to Dublin Castle? Did they see the Chapel Royal? Mm. Did they hear about Henry Hercules Dickinson? <laughs> Did they visit Cecil Alexander's? Fanny, right. we're just going to call, call her Fanny, Fanny Kelly. Okay, so like we said, she has died, of course, and she's buried in this Dairy City Cemetery mm-hmm. with her husband and son. And there is a cross, a marble cross mm-hmm. that is at her grave, and it is believed to be the first cross erected there in the Protestant section of the cemetery. That's yeah. a fun fact. Although talking about a graveyard. <laughs> I mean But the first cross. I, I feel like crosses are like all over cemeteries. Mm. That's the first one. Yeah, first one. And on her grave, on her tombstone, they have this scripture verse, Joel two twenty-eight. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And I feel like her family members who put that verse there must have really believed that it was the Holy Spirit working through her in her poems and her hymns. Because she wrote wrote quite a few things. She wrote hundreds of hymns and poems. Right, right. And many of them we know. We know. But there is one hymn I thought we might talk about. Okay. So this has the distinction of being her very worst hymn. Who calls it that? I saw it in a bunch of places. Really? Her worst hymn. So this appeared in 
a children's hymnal. Okay. And it was called Within the Churchyard Side by Side. She also gave it a title of Light on Little Graves. Oh. I know, I know. Oh, so gosh. So Within the Churchyard Side by Side is the you know first line. And it was found in many hymnals, but we, we're looking at one from 1892 called the Scottish Hymnal. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to show it? All right. So they're side by side like in graves. They're not side by side getting married. With they're not side yeah. by side yeah. playing in yeah. the grave in the in it's, the playground. It's a bizarre thing to okay, write about. Let's hear it. Okay. Within the churchyard, side by side, are many long low graves. And some have stones set over them, on some the green grass waves. Okay, so she's painting the picture here. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's a churchyard, and the long, low graves are next to the church, and some have stones, and some have grass over them. Okay, let's do the next verse. Okay. Okay. Full many a little Christian child, woman and man lies there. And we pass by them every time when we go into prayer. So that she's just saying, you know, the graves are They're full lying of people. there with women, men, and children. <laughs> and we just walk by them. Yeah. All right, should we do one more? However, it's four. Okay. That's so, the first four is awful. Ready? They do not hear when the great bell is ringing overhead. They cannot rise and come to church with us for they are dead. Children's hymn. Children's hymn. Okay, so one of the reasons why it's a children's hymn is that the tune is so simple. The tune is simple. I mean, you all just heard that. That was so easy. Yeah. Okay, so can we just read the last verse to show that this comes around? This is verse 8. Because for our dear Savior's sake, our sins are all forgiven. And Christians only fall asleep to wake again in heaven. All right, better? A little bit better. I mean, you really have to wait a long time. I know. How can we spend so much time describing the cemetery with the grass? (laughs) With the grass and the people walking. And they only say at the end that we don't really stay in the grave. I mean, I, I would love to like dig into this hymn a little bit more. Maybe she wrote it right after her friend Harriet died. And maybe this was a real comfort to her. Yeah. I mean, she does say, I mean, we want a hymn to speak the truth. She right. does say in verse six, Christ, our Lord was buried once. Right. He died and rose again. Right. He conquered death. He left the grave. And, and so, so will Christian, Christian men. So, I mean, she knows what she's talking about. She knows what she's talking about. And, and you know, there's plenty of hymns and songs about death and about sad things. Can you name a hymn though that mentions like children being in the graves? I mean that's yeah, that's a little much. But it's not something that we sing often and it's certainly not one that has stood the test of time. No, and she's she's a hymn legend. She's entitled to a flop every once in a while. All right. So if light on little graves (laughs) is her worst hymn we have, you know, a couple of others, but I bind unto myself today might be one of her better ones. I mean, I think it might be one of her best. Yeah. Yeah. It has a little bit of an awkward title. I bind unto myself this day, but we know that it can be called the Lorica. And of course the deer's cry, which we just yeah. heard about. And I read that people also call it St. Patrick's breastplate. So we have not read the words. Right, right, right. I mean, we've been talking a lot about a lot of things, but let's read these words. Um, these are the words from St. Patrick's breastplate and they are the words that Fanny versified. Right. So the original hymn, Kelly, had nine long verses. 
the newest hymnals have reduced it to five verses. Okay. So we're going to read through the five and let's have some pipe organ music playing. This pipe organ music is being played by someone we love here at Hymn Talk, Twin Talk, Richard Irwin. He has a ministry online with hundreds of hymns Mm. on the pipe organ that he's recorded Mm. that people can access and they can play it in their church if they don't have an organist. So it's called Hymns Without Words. We love what he's doing. And I don't know, I just felt like this needed pipe organ. Okay. So let's listen to Richard Irwin's music and read the five verses. I bind unto myself today. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three in one and one in three. I bind unto myself today the virtues of the starlit heaven, the glorious sun's life-giving ray, the whiteness of the moon at even, the flashing of the lightning free, the whirling wind's tempestuous shocks, the stable earth, the deep salt sea, around the old eternal rocks. I bind this day to me forever by power of faith, Christ's incarnation, his baptism in the Jordan River, his death on cross for my salvation, his bursting from the spiced tomb, his riding up the heavenly way, his coming at the day of doom, I bind unto myself today. I bind unto myself today the power of God to hold and lead, his eye to watch, his might to stay, his ear to hearken to my need, the wisdom of my God to teach, his hand to guide, his shield to ward, the word of God to give me speech, his heavenly host to be my guard. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. I bind unto myself the name, the strong name of the Trinity, by invocation of the same, the three in one and one in three of whom all nature hath creation, eternal Father, Spirit, Word. Praise to the Lord of my salvation. Salvation is of Christ the Lord. I mean, honestly, Cal, I can't picture our church singing this. There are a lot of words to that. Each piece is so long and Mm. so wordy, but like so good. Right. There's no denying there's truth here. Mm. It's just, that's a lot. I mean, I really want to ask William. I know. On Trinity Sunday, when they sing this hymn, do they sing all five verses? And is it like a congregational hymn? Is there some kind of response? Is it choral? That is a lot. I feel like to have the stamina to sing all five, Mm. even just, yeah, just having the stamina is a challenge. Mm. Now, There's a few things to point out in the verses. The theme of the Trinity is super clear. Yes. We don't see hymns that do that, that bring the point home of the Trinity as much as this one does. So if we look at verse one... It definitely, well, it's, it almost like has a few personalities, this, this right. hymn, because I, we do hear the Trinity, you know, we hear the truth of the Trinity very strong. I also heard this like kind of God, the, the creator of nature, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of all things bright and beautiful, know. you know, the sky, the trees, the lightning, the storms. So I feel yeah. that there's this Trinity part and then there's this definite nature part. Yes. And then that fourth verse are those famous St. Patrick words. Right. I almost feel like that verse four could stand alone. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me. I remember doing this on the podcast before. Yeah. Christ over me, Christ behind me. I know. That could stand alone. Maybe, maybe William at his church, maybe they would say they would just do that verse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. And it's, it's so historical. Like I think people know that that's, those are St. Patrick's words, but yet you might not know you know, I bind into myself today as as right. St. Patrick's words, but I right. do think that Christ beside me, Christ yeah, before me. Yeah, that's way more common. Yeah, that's yeah. way more common. So it starts out, 
by pointing out the works of God in creation. Yes. And I guess this is a great theme of like Celtic Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I imagine Ireland is so beautiful. Right. right. So you look out, you see the nature, you see the world right. that God created for you, and it makes you want to worship him more. And maybe that's something that's more real mm-hmm. and more present for the people who live in Ireland. Yeah. Like it's really, it's right in front of them. Yeah. The, yeah. You can't miss it. The wonders and beauties of nature remind us that God is everywhere Mm -hmm. and his power is behind every aspect Mm -hmm. of creation. Now then in verse two, we are told the entire story of Jesus. Yeah. We hear how he was born, how he was baptized in the Jordan, Mm -hmm. how he died, how he was in the spiced tomb. Right. And he was bursting from that. Right. And that he went up and ascended to heaven Mm -hmm. and he's coming Coming back back again. It's all from God. Mm. Patrick affirms, you know, the same God who created us is the same God who redeems us through Jesus Christ. Right. And this is the same God who is present now. Right. And of course, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's verse three. Mm -hmm. You know, that God is here now. He is watching and he is listening and he is our guide and he is our wisdom. And and that's the Holy Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's verse three. There's your three verses, like we just talked about earlier in the podcast of, of Come Thou Almighty King. Verse one was right. God. Verse two was Jesus. Verse three was Holy Spirit. I honestly feel like it could end there. Right. And then we have the verse four, which is the Christ verse. St. Patrick's words, Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ before me. Christ in quiet. Christ in danger. Christ in hearts of all that love me. Mm-hmm. And then verse five kind of feels like it would be a great benediction. Mm-hmm. You know, it really just wraps everything up. Right. Praise to the Lord of my salvation. Mm-hmm. The three in one, the one in mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we love when this happens on Him Talk to Him Talk, but the Holy Spirit kept this alive. Right. There, there's no reason why we should have a hymn today with words that were written in the 400s. Right. And they were written in a language that like uh, is almost unrecognizable. We, we can't even find the language. Who talks yeah. this way? <laughs> All right, you want to try the you want to try the Scottish Gaelic? Cal? Yeah, let's try the Scottish Gaelic. Do you remember it? No. All right, repeat after me, Cal. Yeah. A tomruig, a tomruig, and you, and you, newit, newit, tren, tren, to gorum, to gorum, to now, to now. All right. So amazing words from the fourth century. Fanny Alexander creates a hymn. She versifies it. She versifies it. She gives it meter. And then we have this music. And where does this music come from? Well, I mean, we kind of think it was, you know, kind of an Irish song, an Irish tune, maybe two songs put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But really, we needed someone to put the words and the music together, arrange it, give it structure, give it some harmonies. Mm -hmm. And the guy who did that is... Charles Villiers Stanford. He was a pretty well-known composer and conductor of his day. Let's learn a little bit about him. Charles Villiers Stanford was born on September 30th, 1852 in Dublin. Hmm. And he showed musical promise at a very young age. He was the son of a prosperous lawyer. Of course, his father wanted him to become a lawyer, um, but he was so good at music that his parents really did encourage and support his musical endeavors, which, you know, is wonderful. He ends up uh, um, gaining admission to Cambridge University at the age of 18. They called him a genius for classical musical forms. A genius. Yes. Yes, he was he was very well known at the time. I feel like they wouldn't throw that word around, I especially know. at that time. You I have know. a lot of famous composers living. And he was the he was appointed the organist at Trinity College of Cambridge while he was still an undergrad, which seemed to be a very big deal at the oh, time that good. they weren't um, hiring someone to be the organist, you know, someone who, with a degree who had already right. graduated, who had already been performing elsewhere. It's him while he is still a student. Hmm. And he writes a lot of things. He writes symphonies. He wrote 10 operas. He wrote tons of concertos and chamber piano and organ pieces. He wrote large scale choral works. He does have a lot of Anglican music, sacred okay. music yeah. for the Anglican tradition, but those probably aren't the things that he's most famous for anymore. And the thing that I think is so interesting is that the critics of the time 
they they critiqued his style. They said that he was, you know, just another romantic composer trying to copy the likes of Brahms. You know, that's what they said about they him. They just said he was copying? Yeah, they, they said that oh. he was just a cheap imitation of Brahms. Um, because for a good part of his schooling after he left London, he did go and study in Germany. So here he is trying to put, you know, music together with these words. It's the words of St. Patrick from Ireland, and it is a an Irish tune. Mm. So either... He really was showing his Irish roots, or maybe this was like in response to his critics. Okay, you don't think I'm Irish enough? Uh-huh. You think I'm German? Here, I'm going to show you some an Irish song. Well, it's so funny that you say that, because when I first thought about this song, when I first heard it, I didn't really think it sounded Irish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we just listened to Kathleen sing it at the beginning. I don't know. I'm not overwhelmed with like, oh, that's definitely from Ireland, but. I found another arrangement. Okay. So this gentleman is named Rod Lewis, and he works at a church in Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to actually attach all his information. He's really cool. And I love that he's arranging old hymns in new ways. Right. But with this one, I feel like he really preserves the kind of authentic quality of it being an Irish hymn. Mm -hmm. Now, he actually arranged it. We have some instrumentalists. We have a beautiful female singer. And it was for Trinity Sunday in May of 2020. Wow. Yeah, so he did this special arrangement. He is the director of music at Church of the Apostles in Columbia, South Carolina. He believes that as a Christian, he is called to use his music in three ways. To worship, to express the gospel, and to encourage other believers. Mm. I mean, right? Isn't that perfect? So... So we're going to get to hear his version of it, right? which maybe might sound a little bit more Celtic to us. Yeah, definitely. I love it. Again, he he arranged the whole thing. So he has instrumentalists, a vocalist. I I think you're going to really love this. This is Rod Lewis and the team at Church of the Apostles in Columbia, South Carolina. I bind unto myself today. Mm Mm-hmm.
All right, Kelly, wasn't that so nice? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't usually share music with such instru- interesting instrumentation. Most of the music that we share is piano, pipe organ, or guitar. Um, maybe there's a small little praise band of piano, guitar, and bass or something, mm-hmm. but what they're doing is really interesting yeah. and unique. Yeah. And I love that they did it on Trinity Sunday, and I love that this man, Rod, arranged it himself. I have mm-hmm. to ask him if he does a lot of arranging. I know, and he was so gracious to let yeah. us play it. Oh, you know? 100%. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kelly, our hymn takes, is there a part of this hymn that will stay with you? You know, we sort of said that it's a little wordy. So it there's a little wordy. plenty to choose from. Do you have a hymn take? I actually really love, love that um, verse four. I know. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me. But the funny thing is, is that I don't feel like it's my hymn take because of the truth of the verse, the mm-hmm. theology of the verse, even though I love it and right. I think it's awesome. It's, true. I mean, it's so true. I think the hymn take for me is that you could take this like centuries old prayer and make something like new and beautiful out of it. And when we talk about faith in Jesus and, you know, the transformation that comes over in your life when you believe in him, it is making the old new. Mm. You know, it's making something new again. I just think that that's what this hymn is all about. No, we are not singing it every week. I don't think it's sung that often. I don't think it's sung in many churches, but it is still fascinating that it's still here. Right. Yeah, I love that. Well, I am looking at verse one, which mm-hmm. verse one is supposed to be describing, you know, the creation. Yeah. And again, these are St. Patrick's words. So when we see words like the flashing of the lightning free, mm-hmm. the whirling winds, tempestuous shocks, yeah. the deep salt sea, the old eternal rocks, mm. I can't help but wonder if St. Patrick's, you know, journey like inspired those words. He was the one who hiked right, practically right. all across Ireland right. to get to the coast. And then once he was on the ship with the crew, he then had to to hike even more to get back home. Mm-hmm. You know, he was scared, I'm sure. He was hungry, he was uncertain, but he had faith in God. And I don't know, it just seems like describing the world that way, it had to be what he saw when he right. was walking. Right. Or, you know, traveling. Right. right. So that I know, was, I love is. that. There's a little bit of like his own personal story there. And of course we can all look at the world and describe God's creation. And if you live in Ireland, you probably see beautiful, the mm-hmm. most beautiful parts mm-hmm. of God's creation. But I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of his personal story in there. Right. I cannot wait to talk to our hymn loving friends online and see who yeah. knows this and see who's saying it because it's so interesting to me and yeah. it's another one that we don't know. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we are done for episode 81. If you have a hymn request for a future episode, Mm -hmm. please let us know. Mm -hmm. We're already excited for episode 82. So be looking for that. Yeah. We have some great things coming up this summer. We do. All right. Bye. Keep singing. Bye-bye, everyone.